Welcome to the Confident Speaker Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly D. Parker, speaker, consultant, and self-proclaimed introvert who stumbled upon the cheat code to captivate audiences and command any room. Each week on this show, I'll share tips and tools to inspire you to communicate with power, charisma, and awaken your most confident self. Let's get started. Today's episode is brought to you by my Fierce and Fearless Speaking Academy. This is my high-level coaching intensive that teaches entrepreneurs and professionals how to conquer their fear of public speaking. You will learn how to present with confidence, captivate audiences, and command any room. If you're ready to learn the nuts and bolts of delivering an unforgettable keynote, workshop, or even virtual talk, apply today at kellydparker.com forward slash coaching. Hey, 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 this is episode 33 of the Confident Speaker Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me today. Today, I'm super excited to bring you a special guest to share with us all about, get ready, speaking and the Enneagram. Now, if you know what the Enneagram is, you already know that this is about to be good. This is about to be a whole situation. But on the other hand, if you don't know what the Enneagram is, I'm sure you're like, what are you talking about? So let me spell it. The word is Enneagram, E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M. And if you're not familiar, basically, it's kind of like a personality tool and there are nine different types. And once you figure out what your type is, you can figure out your whole life. (laughs) You can figure out all sorts of things about your motives, right? Why you do what you do, what sets you apart, right? Your blind spots, your strengths, et cetera, et cetera. But today we're going to be talking about the Enneagram through the eyes of speaking. So according to your Enneagram type, what are some of the natural strengths that you have as a speaker? And on the flip side, what are some of the blind spots or some of the things that you need to work on to be a better speaker? So this is going to be an awesome discussion. So joining me is Jen Whitmer, and she is a certified Enneagram coach. Jen also helps teams and leaders solve conflict and personality clashes. She speaks, writes, and coaches about hard topics with infectious joy, and you will definitely get that from her. She's so fun to um, talk to and listen to, and she uses the Enneagram in her work, and she's joining us today to level up our use of the Enneagram. So I hope that this discussion is super helpful and educational for you. Without further ado, here's my chat with Jen Whitmer. Hey, Jen, how are you? I'm good. Hey, Kelly, how are you? Thanks for having me today. Thank you for joining me. This is going to be so much fun because once I learned what Enneagram was, I was all into the whole situation. (laughs) I think most people are. (laughs) Right, right. But I've never thought about how it would impact speaking. So I'm really excited for this discussion. But for those of us that don't know you, first of all, and what Enneagram is, can you let us know who you are, what you do, and what is the Enneagram? Absolutely. I love that question. So first of all, my name's Jen Whitmer, (laughs) and I really help teams and leaders solve conflict and personality clashes. So I'm a speaker, I'm a coach, I'm a writer, but that's really what I help people do is solve those conflicts and recognize how our personality impacts that conflict. And as a speaker, I use the Enneagram in all kinds of different ways, which we'll, you know, get to in a little bit. But if you're wondering out there and you're like, okay, 
people say this word and you're like, Ennea what? <laughs> like, what's this thing? So the Enneagram is a personality framework and it helps us see really how we see the world. Those parts of us that are hidden, that inside internal world, it gives us that language to talk about what's happening inside of us and why we do what we do. I love all those personality things out there. I'm a little bit of a personality junkie. I get it. Strengths finders, Myers-Briggs, Disc, Colby, all the things. But what I love about the Enneagram, it's at the root of all of those. It's why we're doing it. And so of course it impacts our businesses. It impacts our relationships and it impacts when we stand in front of a group and want to tell a story. So that's the, that's the work of the Enneagram and, and partly what I do. Amazing. Now, how did you end up getting into this work? Oh, it's a long and sorted tale. Uh, <laughs> so I'll start with, so I was an educator for 20 years. I started as a music teacher. I moved into faculty leadership and administration. And so I've been coaching and speaking for years. And then I had a really horrific leadership situation that turned into a toxic work environment. And so I started studying the role of conflict in organizational health and what a leader's impact is on that situation. And so I started studying conflict resolution. I started studying communication and culture and the difference in cultures as well. And as and then what do I have to do with this? And that self-awareness piece is something that I was doing more on my own and not a part of my formal studies. And then realizing that, oh, the Enneagram is really helping me heal from this toxic search, this toxic circumstance. And I mean, with therapy, I wasn't doing this on my own. And, um, and then I, I started realizing the connection between this Enneagram work and this personality work to the conflict and communication work I was doing. And so that's when I decided to go back and get certified as an Enneagram coach and really put it into my practice as part of my speaking and part of, uh, part of my coaching. And so that's how I, got got into my Enneagram part of my work. Wow, that is powerful. That is powerful stuff. Just the the self-awareness and the ability to process a situation, right? And become better even after it. Amazing. But let's get into it. So okay. speaking and Enneagram, can you walk us through the different Enneagram types and kind of how we can use that intel to improve our speaking? Absolutely. So, um, so the Enneagram, I want you, I know you're on a podcast. So if you're out walking, you can close your eyes, but pay attention and don't close your eyes if you're driving. So <laughs> like the Enneagram is, is in a circle. So think about a circle and it's almost like a clock, except instead of 12 numbers, there are nine and there's a nine at the top. And so those, that circle is divided into three sections. And so eights, nines, and ones go together twos, threes, and fours go together, and five, six, and sevens go together. So we're going to start with the eight, which in your clock brain is around 11 o'clock. So that's where we're starting for all of you who are like, why aren't you starting with one? <laughs> the reason I start with the eights, well, there's two reasons. One, I think they get a bad rap. And two, they are one of the most intense numbers on the Enneagram and they really like to know what's going on. Give it to me straight. So <laughs> like, I'm going to give them to them straight and we'll start with them. So the eights um, and oh, all the numbers go by their numbers. So they sometimes have names and people call them different things, but I always like to refer to them as their numbers because words mean different things to different people. And as an introduction to the Enneagram, if you haven't done a lot of deep work, I don't want to throw you off. So I'm going to give you the number and what their motivations are. Again, why 
why they're doing what they're doing and a little bit how that can show up in a presentation, um, a workshop, a keynote, whatever you're doing when you're standing in front of a group, how that might show up and what you can do with it. So the the tactics are going to be pretty specific to standing up in front of a group, but there's all kinds of implications to those motivations we're going to talk about. So that's my little, I'm setting the table for you. Not a lot of China. All right. There's some napkins. It is set, honey. Love it. (laughs) So um, the Enneagram eights are kind of the, the most intense numbers on the Enneagram, but they are motivated by protecting people. They want to protect themselves and those people who are in their castle walls. So they got a castle wall. And if you get inside, you are protected too. And that's their motivation. They really are afraid deeply at their core of being vulnerable or being manipulated. Um, They don't necessarily need to be in control, but they often are because a power vacuum is uncomfortable for them. So if you're not going to take charge, I am. So they control the scene, not necessarily because they need to be in control, but they don't want to be controlled. So the best offense, you know, so that's their offensive tactic in that way. And they're wonderful leaders when they're really aware of that. And that comes out in their talk style as these like bold statements. So they're the ones that can walk up and like mic drop the first sentence and then reel everybody in. That's a really powerful move for the eight. And so lean into that. If that's your person, like give them the, not the shock value just for the shock value, but that like, I'm going to capture you with where we're going. Cause they're also very future oriented problem solvers. So let me capture you with where we're going and then get into what you're trying to communicate to them. The things that eights need to be aware of is that other people can find them intimidating. That is not necessarily all your problem. That is somewhat theirs, but there is a way for you to help alleviate some of that concern. Oftentimes eights stand up and they give this story and then nobody has any questions and they're like, nailed it. (laughs) The truth is everybody's still like, wait, can I ask a question? Is this okay? I'm not sure. So really allow some time for questions. You may even say, you know, some of the questions I get are like this and show a a space for answering questions. And even if you can do like, if it's a work group type situation, if you can get like a question asker plant and demonstrate that you are really open to the question, that can really help an eight in those type of presentation styles. Ooh, yeah, I like that. There you go. So the next number around our clock are the nines and they can feel almost opposite of the eights. They're not, they have a lot of connections, but the nines are the, they're really afraid of a loss of connection. They're afraid of tension. They're afraid of lack of harmony, like internal harmony and external harmony. And at the same time, they are also afraid of being overlooked. And that their voice isn't being heard, which creates a lot of internal tension. So the nines have the least amount of energy on the Enneagram. And that's because they're always trying to see all the sides. And I want to make sure that my voice is heard. But I also think, oh, that's a good, what you just said was really good. And oh, what you just said, that's really good. And that can create just, oh my gosh, I'm exhausted. And so nines, when they're really healthy, are fantastic mediators because they can genuinely see all the different perspectives. And that's wonderful to bring to speaking. Like you've got this story and this story. 
And so lean into that. Like, so it doesn't all have to be about you. Sometimes nines get a little afraid of just it being up in front because then I I could say something that could offend somebody and I don't want to do that. They can kind of get in that that little bit of a spiral. But if you can say, oh, I can share the stories of others and why this was important or this happened for them and and have that point when you're standing and giving a presentation that can lean into that for you. What can trip up a nine is that they don't actually share their point of view. Nines often discount their own perspective, their own needs, their own value. And so it's really important for nines when you're standing up in front of a group and or even, you know, as an entrepreneur, if you're writing sales copy, if you're telling a story, have a point of view. Like, what is your take on the story? That's a really important thing for nines to remember. And it's easy for them to forget. So that's my tip for the nines. Now. Next, we're going to move around our circle <laughs> and we're going to, you're shaking. Kelly's like doing her elbow, doing her shoulders, not her elbows, <laughs> doing right. her shoulders. The next ones are the ones and Enneagram ones are um, these great reformers of the Enneagram and they can be perfectionists and they're, and it's almost, um, it's almost a compulsion to see what isn't right and to want to fix it. And that is fantastic and exhausting because it's never going to be perfect. And that can be the downfall of the one. So like they're constantly perfecting and constantly perfecting. Ones also have this internal critic, this internal voice that's kind of constantly telling them, you should have done this, you should have done this, this is what you should do. And and almost berating them all the time. Like, oh, you, you said that one word wrong and that messed up the entire thing. It didn't, friends. I promise you, it didn't. <laughs> but that's what this inner critic is telling them. And so ones can do this really great presentation and then walk away with, oh my gosh, that was terrible. And because one thing happened. And so remembering that in all of life, like, oh my gosh, I said that one thing wrong, or this part wasn't when I did this with my friend and I should have done this differently. And should, like that can really get caught up for the ones. So um, what's great about ones is they're really good at bringing order to chaos. Like we love that about them. And so that's a really great value of the one. When a one is trying to improve their speaking or getting up in front of a group, their talk style is very teachery. It's almost morality driven. They can come up and, um, almost feel a little preachy, um, which, I mean, I love a good sermon, but if your group isn't prepared for that, that's not quite the tone that you're wanting. Knowing that about your talk style is really important. And um, the other thing that ones are so fantastic at is all the details. So if you need to give a detailed presentation, lean into that. Like here are the details. The thing that can trip a one up is that most people need about two thirds of the details that you need. <laughs> Kelly's pointing at me. That part. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah. So they they need just fewer details. So sometimes it's helpful to make an outline and rather than all the sub point one, two, threes down there, like kind of just keep it at the high level details and then allow people to ask questions and And that's a great way to approach that. Like, how can I cut this down to just the high level details and then allow room for questions? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Jen knows this about me. I'm a one. So you just <laughs> uh, described my whole life in 60 <laughs> seconds or however long that took you. <laughs> but I'm always like, you know, encouraging people find the headlines because we will get lost in a good detail. OK, mm-hmm. but find the, the headlines. And to your point, then let somebody ask you a question. So, you yeah. know, you can kind of keep the, the party rolling. And it's a great way to involve your audience. I love question answer time. And that's always challenging in this environment when we're still a lot of virtual events, which I don't think are going away. So we have to kind of figure that out. I mean, this is for everybody. Figuring out how to engage your audience in the comments, in the chat, with asking them reflection questions, getting that kind of thing going is really important for everyone. But I think it's really important for the ones to build that in to whatever type you're standing in a conference room, two thirds of the details let people ask questions. Mm, That's good. So then our next around the clock are the twos. And now we're heading into the heart center and this group, um, all are kind of struggling with some, some, the the body center is all struggling a little bit with anger in some way, resentment, falling asleep to anger. This group is dealing a lot with shame, which can come up when you stand up in front of people. (laughs) So that's just kind of being aware of that is an important um, way to then start dealing with it. So the twos are the helpers of the Enneagram. They are considerate. They are givers. They are um, really afraid that if they don't give enough, people will reject them. So that is the deep fear of the two. And what's um, amazing about them is that they're just kind of these warm givers all the time. They're going to jump in and they're going to be super warm and wonderful and just so welcoming to an audience. You just are like, oh, I feel so good. Um, The problem twos can run into is because they're always wanting people to like them and they're always wanting to give, they can kind of fall into flattery. So when you are in front of a group and you're telling them how great they are, but they've come to hear something from you, it's going to feel a little empty. And so of course, you know, welcome your audience, of course, connect with them. But if you start getting into the, oh, you guys are just the best audience. You just know so much. I mean, I'm just here to facilitate. No, they're not. They're here to learn something from you. And they want that. That's why they put you up there. Either you are, again, if you're in that workplace situation where you're just giving a presentation, if you're in front of a client and you're pitching, they don't want to hear how great they are. They want you to fix their problem. <laughs> That's what they're, they've hired you for. And so just watching out for that in your talk style, that it doesn't get too gushy. And even men can do this. They flatter in a different way. So it's not, it's not just about women. Men who are twos can drop, fall into that trap too. And so, and the other thing twos can watch out for is sentimentality. I love a good story. We want to connect please do that. But if it's all about sentiment, <laughs> it's all about feelings, you people are left a little bit like, well, what, do, what am I supposed to do now? So making sure you're giving some real action steps are important. Um, and keeping, keeping with the purpose of why you're standing in front of that group, tell a good story, connect, amen and hallelujah, but also give them something to do or the solution to the problem you're supposed to be solving for them. Hey, this is Kelly popping in with a special invitation. If you are a professional woman or an emerging business owner looking to level up your speaking skills, I want to invite you to apply for my Fierce and Fearless Speaking Academy. Maybe you're already receiving invitations to speak and you're wondering what are you going to talk about and how are you going to deliver it in a powerful way? 
For maybe you're a business owner and you're looking to leverage speaking to boost your business, but you need to know the nuts and bolts of how to deliver and create a memorable message. If that's you, I want you to head over to kellydparker.com forward slash coaching and apply for Fierce and Fearless Speaking Academy today. So our Enneagram threes are the next group on the Enneagram and they are, they're like the go-getter motivational poster of the Enneagram. Those are our Enneagram threes and they are the achievers. They're the go-getters. They're the ones that are like, if this is you, I love you. And I'm only like, 2% 2% jealous where they like start an, uh, start an Instagram account. They're like, yeah, in like four days I had 10,000 followers. I don't know what happened. <laughs> like they're, they just, it's amazing. Um, and then they move on to something else and they're kind of achieving, achieving, achieving. Now the problem is that is how they're seeing themselves as loved. So it can be very trapping for them. So while the outside of us, we're like, how did they do that? The inside they're like, how do I stop? How do I relax? I I just need to be loved for who I am and not the things that I do. And that's the internal world of the three. So it can appear on the outside as everything's fantastic when really they're doing a hustle inside that they're never going to be able to achieve. And that's the exhausting part for the three. Um, Now they're so inspirational for us and they need to know that they're loved even without their achievement. That's the core longing of that three. Like, again, that can come out in all kinds of different ways. And um, whether that comes out in speaking is this um, like this captivating, you can do it, inspirational and uh, (laughs) that kind of amazing just the way that you're phrasing it can inspire people. So that's a a way to lean into it. When a three is kind of off a little bit, it starts to become about themselves. So rather than inspiring your audience where they can see themselves in your story, there's starting to be a disconnect because, oh, well, you're just you're just kind of amazing up there. And then even worse is, oh, this is all about you. So like, there's a little bit of a continuum there. So if you can keep it in the realm of um, inspirational, where they can see themselves in what you're talking about, and you're making it attainable, that's where the three thrives. And pretending otherwise, you know, like pretending that this is amazing, and it's all about you, because it's not isn't helpful to your audience. So um Making sure that you are giving real evidence to your data is also really important for threes because they can kind of wash over all the hard work and just be like, it just happened. It's amazing. So give some data, give some reasons, give some action steps. Um, the threes are incredible planners. They're very, very efficient. Tell people how you do it. Let them see the inside and a little bit of vulnerability and you, you'll really grab your audience. So the Enneagram, the next group on the Enneagram are the fours and Enneagram fours are like, they're these, I swear an Enneagram four created the phrase creating space. Like let's hold space for this person. (laughs) I, I deeply believe they're the people who said that first. And it's because Enneagram fours are always about creating. They're afraid of um, being emotionally disconnected or, um, and being emotionally isolated. They're really afraid of what happens if everybody else has this thing and I have this tragic flaw. And what if I 
am not special? What if I'm not unique? So like being mundane and just typical, oh, that would be the worst for a four. And so a four is deeply emotional, which again is powerful in front of an audience. Um, and so if um, fours are really good at emotional connection. They're very good at recognizing the emotions in the room, holding their own emotions separate from that. It's a fantastic thing for fours. Um, what fours can get tripped up on is a little bit twos can lean into that sentimentality. Fours talk style can be lament. And so if your audience is walking away depressed, it's probably not hitting the mark. <laughs> So if you're trying to stand up and give, especially at work, some type of presentation, lean more into the solution than the problem, because you're naturally very aware of the problem. You're very aware of all the emotions around the problem and why this is bad. And then you've got feelings about those thoughts. And then you've got more thoughts about those feelings. And there can be this like cycle of feeling and thinking and thinking and feeling and feeling. And ah, what are we supposed to do? So if the four can kind of break out of lament and start to personalize the problem and the solution, that's a power for a four. Um, And they really, everybody feels very heard, but also everybody knows what to do at the end. So that's the kind of the trick for the fours. Mm, That's so key, especially what you were saying about providing that solution and not ending on such a low note that... um... You know, everybody just needs to go home and have a good cry under the covers, you know, folks. it's a, there's a place for that. There is a place for a circle of crying. It's probably not on a stage. <laughs> like that's probably yeah. not the place for that. There is absolutely a, a, for holding space for people to have those emotions, but we don't want to leave them there. Right. We always are, are looking to solve the problem, whether you're a keynote speaker or you're just an entrepreneur trying to share the service that you provide. We always want to leave them with a solution. That mm-hmm. is what they want to do next. Mm-hmm. So the next group, the fives, sixes, and sevens, they go together. They are in the head center and the head center, um, like the others were dealing with anger and shame, deal with a lot of fear. And so the fives are the thinkers of the Enneagram. They're the observers. They're the investigators. They're the ones that are looking and watching all the time and really wanting to know everything. And that's the part that can trip them up because they have to know all the things like a deep knowing. I kind of joke about this, but it's also a little bit true that a a five will have a PhD and be like, yeah, but I'm not really the expert. Like you have, (laughs) you read a a dissertation about this thing. (laughs) Like you have researched it. You do know enough. So that's always that fear that what if I don't know enough? And because that's actually how they care for people is by knowing. And so they demonstrate their care by providing information and, and knowledge to people, which, oh my gosh, do we need that? We need those people who dig deep. And I also kind of, in my silly way, say they speak in paragraphs with footnotes. Like they they have all of that detail. And, and you're like, are you even breathing? Like, how do you know all that? Just And they're like, oh, well, it just, <laughs> they just, they studied it and now they know. And um, it's such a wonderful treat to, to find all that information in somebody. Uh, what fives can struggle with is the world can be overwhelming for fives. Like if I don't know enough, how can I help you? You might need something for me that I can't provide. 
And so they withdraw quite a bit. And so even for a five to be the person who's standing up and talking can be quite a brave experience. And because that deep fear of not knowing enough can, um, can prevent them from even sharing their knowledge with people in that type of format. And, but we need them. So their talk style can be very um, treatise like, 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 uh, you know, like (laughs) Martin Luther on the, on the Gutenberg doors, like the 95 theses, they can be very intense in that way. And so much like the ones who, you know, remove about two thirds of the details, that is incredibly important for the five and give the analysis. Don't necessarily give all the details. The reason you're up there is to give, again, a little bit like the nine, your perspective, your point of point of view, give your analysis of it. What's the point of all that detail that you get to summarize that for people? That's your gift. You've done all that for us. Give us the analysis and in a way that um, you can share that without it being so much information. So learn to pull back fives do really well with getting feedback from other people before they talk. Everybody, I mean, that is great for everybody, but fives really, they need somebody to tell them this is a little bit too much and they, or to say, no, that's perfect. That's just enough. You don't need to add any more. That's really helpful to the five. So a friend, a coworker, a coach, somebody to say, you know, yes, that's the right amount. The other thing um, that is, I want to always share with the five is to consider not so much your standing and delivering information, but that having intellectual empathy for your audience Remember what it was like to be a beginner and start there. That will help you cull your information and remove some of the content. What is it like to be the beginner and have that intellectual empathy for what it was like when you didn't know? So even like playing on your own fear and getting to that for your audience is a really powerful tool for the five. So now we've got two more folks. You're doing great. Yes, this is powerful. Keep it coming. Enneagram sixes. So Enneagram sixes are like these loyal guardians. They are um, connectors. They are community oriented and they um, have so much to give other people because they're always preparing because they are afraid of what will happen. What happens if something goes wrong? What happens if I don't have security? What happens if we don't have safety? What if I get blamed for this? So there's a lot of preparation going on. You can't see my hands, but I'm like putting them out in front of me because they're looking about what's going on around me and how can I how can I stay safe? How can I stay secure in this space? And so that's that deep fear of the six and what they bring to us is great ideas because, oh my gosh, nobody asks questions like a six. They ask the best questions. They ask the most questions. They can trip us up with too many questions. So be aware, Um, especially as an audience member, be aware of how many questions you ask. Um, And their talk style can be almost apologetic. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry if you already know this. I'm sorry. Like, they can almost apologize a little bit. And, and that starts to put doubt into the audience. And your audience wants you to succeed. Those people sitting in those chairs want you to do well because that means 
they're doing well. So if you're too self-deprecating in your um in your doubtful talk style, that can make the audience feel a little insecure. And so making sure that you're leaning into the questions and then provide the solution that you've come up with because you've come up with the solution. That's the power of the six. You have prepared for that. So providing that is a really important spot for the six to fall into. Um, And you know what? Sixes, just you can make fun of yourself a little bit. Some sixes really love to do that. And it's a a warming for the audience. Like, I know I'm a little nervous about this because I tend to do this. And move on with your story. Like, it's okay. That helps you get over a little bit of the anxiety. It welcomes your audience in to your humanity. Um, As long as you then are confident to take them to the solution. Again, a lot of standing up in front of people is storytelling and solution providing. And so if you can get there as a six, you're defending your ideas, but also, um, bringing them into your humanity, that can be a really great power for the six. And then the last group on the Enneagram, I think the two most natural speakers, the ones that we just think about as, oh, those people are just great speakers, are threes and then the sevens. The sevens natural talk style is storytelling. They can be super dynamic and they're very, they often are very loud. Actually, I don't know a seven that isn't loud. Um, (laughs) I'm sure you're out there. If you're a seven and you're loud, please contact me. I want to talk to you. Um, (laughs) uh, So sevens are these big gregarious. They're like the envision, they're visionaries. They're enthusiastic. Like they're usually a ball of excitement and energy. And where that comes from is this deep fear of not having enough, the deep fear of being limited and this deep fear of being bored like sitting in something and being really trapped. So they're often going for these big ideas and and planning for the future. Different than the six, the, the sevens are like dreaming the what if rather than preparing for the what if. And so that fear of what if I stay, what if I'm trapped here? What if I have to stay here in this negative emotion forever or I am stuck here? So they're so quickly moving to the positive. They just reframe things. And as, as speakers and getting up in front of a group, again, that talk style is storytelling, but what can happen when a seven is uncomfortable is they can get really sarcastic because they've already kind of thought about it and made all the connections. And rather than bringing people along in their story, they can get a little sarcastic. And so that's just something to watch out for as a seven. Um, You also have to release a little bit of of the time. So sevens can be like, oh, I'll just wing it. And they probably can. (laughs) But what trips them up is then they don't have enough details for their audience and they start to then fall into the humor and the sarcasm, which is entertaining. But if that's not why you're there, people can be left with, I mean, that was fun, but then what happened? What am I, what am I supposed to do? So always making sure you're driving a point to your story and they can, and not get lost in this time suck because we also like to be efficient. Sevens like to be efficient. And so that's where the winging it comes from because they probably can, they've done enough of this that they can just stand up and do it. But so for sevens, I highly encourage two things. One is a process. What are the big blocks of your, of your presentation, of your talk, of whatever you're standing up and doing? What are the big blocks? 
And how do you get there? Know your process and where you're taking somebody because I call it my starburst mind. And you go, oh, that was fun. It's, oh, that was so exciting. Over It's like fireworks and you don't know where to look. So have a process. Where am I taking my audience? And the second thing is to rehearse. And I know every seven is just like, I know. <laughs> I'm like, okay, do a rehearsal, know where you're going. And that's a really important um structure for sevens to follow because then, oh man, do people just respond to that because they feel safe and entertained. It's amazing. And you've given them some great solutions at the end because you know where you were taking them and you landed at that destination. So those, we've gone around the whole circle. We've done all nine types. That was some good Mm. stuff. (laughs) And, um, Yeah, so I hope you guys were able to pull out and listen for the different strengths that we all have, depending on our Enneagram type, and also some things that we might want to look out for, right? Because we all have blind spots. So for those of us listening that maybe have just heard of the Enneagram and now have heard the nine types and are like, well, I could be a one. No, 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 I'm not a one. I'm a four. No, no, I'm a, I'm a yes. six. The common experience of everybody. I'm not everybody, but I'm going to say 90% of people. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. But where do we go to, you know, kind of discern what our type is? Absolutely. Not so sure. I am have a little bit of a disclaimer. I think that there are tests that are okay, but tests are just one small data point. So there's lots of them out there. Um, but whatever test that you take, make sure you realize that a test can't type you. You have to decide your type. The Enneagram is all about self-discovery and understanding your internal world. And no test can do that for you. It can give you some data, but it's not everything. So just know that up front. I have a small booklet on my website at jenwhitmer.com slash freebies called Why Do I Keep Doing This? And it describes in much more detail than we went through today, the different motivations of each Enneagram type. So it's smaller than a book, (laughs) but it is... Um, it's got some more information for you to start exploring that and, um, and, and learning your Enneagram type really is an exploration. I like to say, it's like trying on a coat. Does this fit? Does this fit? And when you find it, it may take a few weeks, it may take a few months when you find it, you're like, oh yeah, that's it. Because oftentimes you're like, I've been trying to keep that hidden. I didn't want everybody to know that, but we grow the most when we look at the parts of ourselves we don't like. And that's where the power is. So I encourage you to face it and be brave. But so you can take a test, but look at the types, look at the descriptions, see what really fits you and and develop some some honesty around that. I always say it takes ruthless self-honesty and generous self-compassion to work with the Enneagram. Beautiful. Beautiful. You said we grow the most when we look at the parts of ourselves we don't like. That is powerful. So let me just repeat that website and I'll put it Mm -hmm. on my show notes as well. But it's jenwhitmer.com slash freebies. Um, So you guys make sure that you check that out if you don't know what your Enneagram type is or you're wanting to go deeper um, because there's lots more that could be covered in terms of the Enneagram. So if you head to my website, kellydparker.com forward slash podcast, I'll be sure to include the link to Jen's resources because you are a resource. You are a gem. You are a river of Enneagram goodness. (laughs) 
<laughs> so, so thank you so much for, for joining us and for just schooling us, you know, um, on this resource. So let us know where we can find you online. I know we have your freebie resource, but is there yeah. anywhere else we can follow you? And Absolutely. So all the details are there. So if you want to go to one spot there, but I hang out the most on Instagram and LinkedIn. So feel free to look me up and DM me. I love connecting with people. I really genuinely care about people. If you are a woman who is listening, I have a private Facebook group that's called the Women Leaders Circle. I'd love to have you in there. We talk about relationships and self-leadership and leading teams and the Enneagram and, and how that works. So I'd love to have you in the Facebook group to just continue to explore what it means to lead yourself and how to use the Enneagram to do that. Awesome. I love that. Thank you so much for joining us. This was amazing. Oh, thanks for having me. This is wonderful. Thanks for listening to the Confident Speaker Podcast. If you found this content valuable, make sure you subscribe and leave a review to help others join the Confident Speaker family. Thanks again and see you next time.